We're in Daniel 5, and there is truly a lifetime of lessons for us in just this one chapter. Um, as Jesus disciples us, as Jesus forms us, man, I, I'm, I'm looking to him. I've been praying this week, like, Lord, would you use this chapter to, to deepen us, to grow us? Uh, the, the students that are in here, the kids that are in here, uh, adults that are in here, uh, this is for all of us. This is not just for some of us. This is for all of us. And what is crazy about Daniel chapter 5 is it's like a slap in the face. It's like, whoa, wait a second. What's going on here? I, what's going on here? Look at verse 1 of Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Who's the king of Babylon that we've been talking about for a month? It's Nebuchadnezzar. It's like, who's this guy? Where did this guy come from? I, we were just, it was just Nebuchadnezzar talking about how he had come to God and given his life to God. And then, boom, King Belshazzar gave this huge party, thousand people, thousand of his closest friends. Here's what happened. What happened is 60 years, six zero, 60 years happened. It's like God can do that in Scripture. It's just be like Act 1, Act 2. Uh, it, 60 years have gone by. And um, uh, he, here's what we know about Belshazzar. Well, here's what we know about Babylonian history. What scholars believe is that Nebuchadnezzar reigned in Babylon. He was the king for 43 years. Really long. I mean, that's, that's a long time for anybody, but a long time for Babylonian kings. He reigned for 43 years. God truly did give him a long and prosperous reign once he bowed his knee and started following him. But then his son's name was Amel Marduk. Amel Marduk. Um, and he reigned for just two years. Uh, then after Amel Marduk, then Nereglisser. They just enjoyed pronouncing things in this way. <laughs> I think their language, it must have sounded good. But Nereglisser reigned as king for four years. So we had 43 years, then two years, then four years. Uh, then his son, Labashai Marduk, reigned for just nine months until there was a coup. He was killed and overthrown. And so uh, as Labashai Marduk just had nine months of reign, a prominent official, Nabonidus, Nabonidus is another like big name to be aware of. Nabonidus becomes king of Babylon, and Nabonidus reigns for 17 years. And Daniel's like, he's, uh, he's in all of these governments. <laughs> you know, he is a full-time government employee high up in Babylon, and he experienced all of that. And I'm sure one day in glory, we could hear endless stories just from his experience at that time. But then Nabonidus, after 17 years, Nabonidus' son is Belshazzar. So Belshazzar is like five kings removed from Nebuchadnezzar, and this is where Daniel chapter 5 starts, is right there. Um, Daniel is certainly in his 70s by now, if we're anticipating that he's 14 or so when he's kidnapped and taken away and brainwashed, and they think that they're going to be able to make him a great Babylonian, but he's... He, because the true king is his king, um, he's a citizen of heaven, and you can tell it by his life. Um, but what's also crazy is we haven't gotten to the lion's den yet. <laughs> you know, if it's like Daniel and the 
Belshazzar king? No, Daniel and the lion's den. Like, that's what everybody knows. So that's next week. And that's when Daniel's in his 80s. Crazy. But we're like walking through all these things that's happening in, um, in this time. And so look at, so now we're, we're 60 years down the road and Belshazzar is partying with a thousand of his closest friends. And then look at verse 2. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, he commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple. So just to not be confused here, um, he calls Nebuchadnezzar his father, and I think part of that is because like, he's trying to connect his reign with the most famous king. So he's, he's in some ways like trying to pretend that it's like, yeah, there are all these like joker kings, but like basically I'm Nebuchadnezzar's son. I'm next in his line. So when he says that, he, that Nebuchadnezzar is his father, he's trying to really like put himself up next to Nebuchadnezzar. So um, Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, um, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised, don't miss this, as they are taking these precious items and they're drinking wine from them and partying and getting drunk off of this, they're praising the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Verse 5. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared. No arm, no shoulder, no body, just a hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Look at this great, this incredible description of Belshazzar. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. I mean, he just melts. He just crumbles. He's, he's not related to Nebuchadnezzar, but he's like connecting himself with Nebuchadnezzar. I think he's doing this as like a power trip, trying to, to make himself feel like he's like Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and um, he knew that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, had carried away all these items that were consecrated and used as worship, and potentially these were original items that were placed in the temple. These were potentially made at the time of David and, and, and were used in the temple. They potentially, these, these cups could have been over a thousand years old, and they are just whisking them out, and they're using them to worship other gods even though they were designed to worship God. And um, they're worshiping, too, these little gods of gold, um, of, of silver, of bronze, of iron, of wood. I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous that they're, um, man, it's like, he doesn't take seriously the real God, but it's like, hey, let's toast the God of NASCAR. Be like, yeah, I'm in on that. Let's toast the God of mushrooms. Oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, like, he's, like, quickly worshiping gods that are not gods and resistant to actually take seriously the God who these vessels were designed for. 
So a hand supernaturally appears, writes something on the wall, and everybody freaks out. Then in verses 7 through 9, Belshazzar is trying to find out, is there anybody who can read that? What that hand wrote on the wall, can anybody read that? So they bring in everybody, everybody that they can think of, and they're just like, can you read this? And man, in honesty, once again, we saw this in the last chapter, it, these guys could have made something up, could have been like, oh yeah, that means you're awesome. Oh, thank you, you know, <laughs> I didn't need to worry so much. But instead they're like, no, we can't read that. We have no idea what that says. And um, everybody's been brought front and center, and they're just like, well, and then the queen hears about what's going on in the party room, and uh, she remembers, oh yeah, there's this one guy, verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom, she's speaking to her husband, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. That's the way she thinks of Daniel. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom. Gosh, like Lord, would that would people in our community speak of us that way who follow, who follow God, who follow his ways? Um, man, would we be light and understanding and wisdom, um, not on our own two feet, but because that's the one that we follow so closely? So she's saying, in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, uh, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Verse 12, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So I love that the queen is, she's going back to something that happened 60 years ago. She is that aware of, you know, God who, um, man, he steps into our time, he steps into our neighborhood, and he operates outside of time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so she knows how the God of heaven revealed truth through Daniel. She knows that Daniel walks with this God and is walking with this God to this day. Not like, oh yeah, he was like really passionate for God in his 20s. And then, uh, you know, we just don't know what he's up to now. But she's able in the present tense to speak about Daniel, and I love that. And she says, he's going to show you the interpretation. If God is speaking, and if he's speaking to you, Daniel will be able to share the interpretation because um, he follows that God. And if that God's wanting to be found, uh, you will find him through Daniel. Um, so verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. I just, man, I, and maybe I'm just weird and I'm wired in a weird way, but I try to just stop and just like picture that. Like what must that have looked like? Like I wish I was just like a fly on the wall as a 70-year-old Daniel is walking into the king's palace. Very likely it could be the same palace that Nebuchadnezzar was in. All the rich history that him and Nebuchadnezzar shared and um, man, he's walking into this young punk uh, that's sitting on the throne, uh, but I, th I think he's honoring to him. We, we don't see any reason that he's not, but we haven't seen him in years, and he's now walking in. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, 
brought from Judah. Man, I think uh, Daniel could have like gone off on this guy because Daniel, like, Daniel's been a leader in Babylon longer than this guy's been alive. He has lived in Babylon five times longer than he ever lived in Jerusalem. And here, Belshazzar is like, oh yeah, you're, you're one of those guys from Judah that we conquered. And um, my king, my, my father brought from Judah. And um, man, I think Daniel too could have been like, I actually knew him. And I knew him intimately. I knew Nebuchadnezzar. You didn't know him. He, Belshazzar would have never met Nebuchadnezzar. And, um, and here, we're, we're, we're in the middle of this, and, um, and Daniel just, like, uh, doesn't say anything. Nothing's recorded here as he's kind of thrown under the bus. And I think, once again, Belshazzar is trying to make himself uh, look good in this and even impress himself before Daniel. Uh, but then verse 14, he says here, Belshazzar says, I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So I love of everything the queen told him, he held on, like he, he, he realized, wow, he has light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in him. Belshazzar then tells him that he's going to give him a nice new set of clothes, a gold necklace, and promote him if he tells him what that says on the wall. Daniel's response in verse 17, Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself Give your rewards to another. I'm not motivated by those things. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. So I love that Daniel walks in. Um, maybe the Lord had already shown him through prayer, uh, through some way, uh, what was going on. He didn't have to go away and pray. Um, then he speaks very clearly to Belshazzar in verse 18. O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. So just a little pause here. I love that he doesn't interpret the words on the wall yet. What he does is give Belshazzar some perspective. And also, gosh, I mean, none of us know how long we have, right? Like, maybe he doesn't even know. Like, Belshazzar might have, like, 20 minutes to live. And so what I love is he's not mincing words, and he's telling Belshazzar, not necessarily what Belshazzar wants to know right now, which is just, can you just tell me what those words mean? But instead, he's telling Belshazzar what he needs to hear. And here, he's stepping back and giving him some perspective of the story. O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. Whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But, verse 20, but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind. His mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, 
Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. Gosh. I mean, talk about like speaking truth to power. Daniel is just speaking truth because that's what he needs to hear, is you have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this about Nebuchadnezzar. For 60 years, everybody has known this is the type of God Nebuchadnezzar is dealing with, but this is the type of God we're all dealing with. This is the God of heaven. You knew that it happened, but you live like it never happened. You knew it happened, but you live like it never happened. Verse 23, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of this house, of his house, have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And I don't know if this is Daniel's tone. We don't know, but we know Daniel is definitely speaking very clearly to get Belshazzar to repent. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. He tells Belshazzar that God holds his next breath in his hands. All his ways are in the hand of God. He sees them all and Belshazzar has not, has not honored him. Belshazzar is aware at the intimate relationship that other people have had with this God, but for him, he's, consent, he's content just to settle for lesser things. He's content to worship gods that aren't gods at all, gods of gold, silver, wood, and iron. And uh, man, just so you know, this was Belshazzar's M.O. So there's a crazy archaeological discovery. I know I've been like throwing like archaeology kind of heavy in this series, uh, but it's, it's really fascinating as it relates to the book of Daniel. Um, and uh, if, if you, I don't usually say it, but uh, there's an app that I've been working on for like 15 years that's in the iOS app store. It's just called Bible Map, and I usually just try and work on it on Fridays. And just the goal is any chapter in the Bible if there's any location, it like shows it where it is on Apple Maps. But then if there's any artifacts in any museum in the world that relate to anything you're reading in the Bible, it'll like tell you what building it's in and all that stuff. So it's just kind of like a, a, just a side passion of mine. But, um, but in that app, it's kind of like where you would find a lot of this as it relates to, okay, I'm in Daniel chapter 5. What exists? And here's what's crazy is in 1924... J.E. Taylor discovered, he's an archaeologist, and he discovered the palace of Nabonidus. Now remember, Nabonidus is Belshazzar's real biological dad, right? So in 1924, they discovered Nabonidus's palace. Not only did they discover Nabonidus's palace, but they dug down through 2,400 years of sand and dust and found his presidential library. So they actually found where they stored all of the like writings and all that stuff. And in Babylon, the kings would usually place it. That's why they found it. They would place it in a place because they were so proud of their reign that they hoped people would find it, read about it, and marvel for centuries to come about how great they were. And so, um, so as they were finding his library, they actually found this cylinder, Okay. So these cylinders are not very big. Um, they're like fired clay, but this is ancient Akkadian writing, 
And the way that they would do it is they'd get like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, basically, but it would be wet clay. And then as the clay was still moldable, they would take this and roll it over the top. And then that's what would, so that was like their form of like a printing press. And so that's why like if you look at Babylonian artifacts, there are tons of these cylinders because that's like how they printed stuff and sent it out to everybody. And so what's crazy is that this is one of Nabonidus's cylinders from his very palace. And on this, there's several things, but one of the things that's on this is a prayer for Belshazzar. So he's actually praying for Belshazzar, his son, and here's what his prayer is. As for me, Nabonidus, king of Babylon, save me from sinning against your great Godhead and grant me as a present a life long of days. So he prays for himself. Then he says, and as for Belshazzar, the oldest son, my offspring, instill reverence for your great Godhead in his heart and may he not commit any cultic mistake. May he be sated with a life of plentitude. And um, man, so if you read behind the line, or between the lines there, what his prayer is, is would my son never do something against the gods that would kill him? Because he's saying, would you never commit a cultic mistake, instill reverence for your Godhead in his heart, and may he have a life of plentitude? So what most people, when they read this, are like, he knew his son. He knew that his son didn't care about the gods. He knew that his son was, was irreverent about anything that had to do with the great Godhead. And he's praying, would he actually have reverence for God? Would he actually experience the weight of God? And would he never make such a mistake that it would cost him his life? And man, like that thing was in the dirt until 1924. So like, I mean, we're talking potentially 3,000 years that was in the dirt, and we dug it up. It was like, oh yeah, that sounds like the same Belshazzar that we're reading right here, where he doesn't have any reverence to the things of God. And then look at verse 24. This is the actual interpretation. Then from his presence, the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed, and this is the writing that was inscribed, mene, mene, tekel, and parson. Those are the words. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians, which, you know, was some of the things we saw earlier with the statue uh, that was in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar that the next kingdom would be coming. Um, so then this is Belshazzar's response. Verse 29, Belshazzar gave the command. Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. It would have been the perfect place for Belshazzar to repent of his sins. Perfect place for Belshazzar to get serious about God, the God who made him, the king of heaven. And instead he's like, oh, I'll give you what, you, uh, what I told you I was going to give you. Here's a set of clothes, here's some gold, and I'm going to promote you. And then verse 30, that very night Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Man, so we see like God pursued Nebuchadnezzar for decades, 
for decades. And Nebuchadnezzar finally bowed his knee to the God of heaven. Um, Belshazzar had time. He had hours. He had hours where the truth of God was clearly revealed to him, and um, he did not respond. And, um, man, as I've been praying through this, as I've been just saying, like, Lord, what, what does this mean for us? Like, you are the same God. You are pursuing people in our community. You have pursued us. Like, what does this mean for us, um, having, like, knowing about Nebuchadnezzar, knowing about Belshazzar, but knowing about Jesus and knowing that he's on the move? He's on the move, um, turning the, the hearts of our kids uh, to him and that they would worship him and grow in him and find their life in him. He's on the move with us. How is this like forming me personally? Because I don't, man, I don't want to be left out from this. I want Daniel 5 to hit me as much as it's hitting all of us. And the, the three areas that, that I just keep, keep like coming back to of how this is forming me and, um, and my prayer for it to form us is uh, first, um, Will the faith of others, I think we have it up there, yeah. Will the faith of others deepen my faith? Because what Daniel's conversation with Belshazzar is, is you've seen God, you've heard about God's relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. How are you still the same? How is your life still the same? And Belshazzar could have been like, well, he's not meeting with me. I'm waiting for him to meet with me in the same way. I'm waiting for him to connect with me in the same way he connected with Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel's like, no. When we see him do what he did with Nebuchadnezzar, man, that should have totally impacted your life. That should form your life. As you see God, as we see God in our community, heal somebody. Like, yes, I could say like, well, Lord, you healed them. Could you heal this person as well? But what we could also be is like, wow, God is in our midst. He is healing people, and that is like radically affecting us. Or God is freeing people from addictions, just totally re-giving people brand new identities. And it's like, can I, am I close enough? Am I close enough to what God is doing? Do I have eyes that are open to what God is doing in our midst? And is that radically changing me? Like, I, I don't want to be a person that's like, oh, oh, wow, that's really cool for you. And I think Daniel will be like, no, that's cool for us. That's amazing for us. And man, like we could run on that for years, what we just saw God do in our midst. And uh, you know, will the faith of others deepen my faith? Um, man, I, I, I want it to change me. I want it to change us. Uh, I'll embarrass Phil for a second um, in the back there. Um, we were on a Zoom call with our group, and uh, we were just sharing what God was doing in our lives and Phil just had this, like, smile start forming on his face. And, um, and then it just, like, got bigger and bigger. I mean, it was, like, obvious to me. I was, like, now, it's not like Phil's, like, a gloomy guy. But, like, it was just obvious, like, he was smiling. <laughs> and his smile was increasing in intensity, was at least my perspective. And so eventually I'm, like, Phil, what's going on? Like, why are you smiling so much? And he's, like, I'm just so glad to see God in your guys' lives. And that is making me so happy. And I'm just so happy that our God is working in our community. And I was just like, oh, that's, that's this. Like, that's, a, that's the way I want to be, too. Um, second, 
So first, like, will the faith of others deepen my faith? But then also, do I take God seriously? Like, did I just take him seriously when I gave my life to Jesus? And now it's like, well, I'm going to kind of view your heart to me as like a suggestion, like a cosmic suggestion. Or am I like, I want to feed on your words. I want to, I want to intimately know what you want for me what your desires are for me, and then I want to take you seriously. Um, man, there's a lifetime of us saying, how should we now live as we're following him, knowing that he wants our lives to be, to, to, he wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive. I think, uh, man, do I take God seriously? I think just like John three sixteen. gosh, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, which means if you don't believe in him, you will perish. If you do believe in him, you'll have everlasting life. And, and the demons know he exists. The demons have a belief of Jesus. What they don't have is putting their trust in him, putting your, the weight of your life in his hands. That's believing in Jesus. And uh, man, do we take that seriously? Like, I want to like, I was out jogging yesterday, and I jogged by the cemetery, and I was just like, man, I, I, wanna, I want us to be people that are alive and well this side of glory right now and taking seriously our God because he's desiring our flourishing, and, and I don't want to be in the ground and have left passion and left things on the ground. Like, I, I, if he says it, I want to do it. I want to follow his lead. And there's great stories of people who um, the Bible was being translated. Patty has some friends who are Bible translators, and they were translating the Bible into languages that have never had the Bible before. And there's stories of, like, they'll translate through the book of John, and they'll get, like, four verses in, and they'll, the people will be like, can we have those four verses? And they'll take those four verses and, like, share it with everybody in the community and be like, these are words from God. And only, they only had four verses, but they're like, we, and they would be gone for a week before they come back and been like, okay, are there any more? Are there more words from him that we can follow, that we can know his ways? And, um, and man, I, I've, just Daniel took God seriously, Belshazzar didn't. And, um, and now that allowed Daniel to be a light when Belshazzar needed uh, to know something. But at the same time, like, would we grow in this? And then third, is, uh, man, am I at a Daniel pace in my walk with God? And I, that's probably a weird question, but that was kind of the way that I was, that I was processing it this week, is that, like, if, if you knew this week you would have the distinct privilege of leading someone to Jesus, this week, like, someone stopped by and it's just like, what must I do to be saved? How can I meet Jesus? And you're like, hey, put your trust in him, believe in him, and you'll have everlasting life. He paid for your sins. He bought your soul on the cross. He removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. And they're like, okay, I'm all in. Lead me to him. And it's like, okay, tell him, tell him you're believing in him. Wow, there we are. Let's party. This is amazing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, it'll be 60 years before you do that again. If it's like, okay, it'll be 60 years before you do that again, what are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to be like, oh, wow, 60 years, huh? So I could, like, not care about him for 59 years 
and then maybe like come back and get back in the game and like share them again? Like, what are you going to do tomorrow if you knew it was going to be 60 years? And I can tell you, Daniel, I think he fell on his face tomorrow. He pursued God tomorrow. He, he sought him. Because just because he wasn't kind of like publicly in the spotlight with God, um, he was privately enjoying walking with God. And that's like the second half of Daniel is all of the things that Daniel experienced and saw as he was in obscurity walking with God. So, um, man, like, I, I want to be a guy that just, um, I don't grow cold and bitter as I get older, but instead my heart stays where the Lord could send anybody to me, anybody to Bryce, anybody to Kurt, anybody to Laura, and, um, and man, they are passionately walking with God and having others come alongside and see Jesus through them as well. And um, man, that's, um, that's my prayer for us, those three, that, that would we have the faith, would, we, would the faith of others really deepen our faith? Do we take God seriously? And am I at a Daniel pace in my walk with God? So, so Patty's going to send out like a devotional, I think like processing some of this, uh, but then like this will be our conversation in community groups this week and praying for each other, lifting each other up, um, just supporting each other in this. So can I pray for us? Can I pray that this would form us? Um, Lord, Oh, I just thank you for bringing us here. I thank you so much for the kids just being able to, to, to be a part of this. And um, I'm excited for when Kids Church can come and Madison and others will be able to, to really lead them. Um, but in this moment, Lord, thank you for the kids in here. I pray that in just the special ways that you can, would you have seeds just planted in their hearts that would grow and form? Would there be many Daniels? of girls and boys in here, would there be many people with the hearts of Daniel that would lead their friends, um, teammates, classmates to see the beauties of their Jesus? Would you form in them just that? Um, and Lord, for all of us, would you use this chapter in the week of our church this week um, to deepen us, to form us, those join us online, Lord, we, we just want you to have your way in our midst and areas where, where we need to confess sin to each other, where we need to repent before you. Maybe you're inviting us to just believe and trust you and you're giving us today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you're giving us today. Lord, with today, would we just be all in? Lord, would Collins and Maxwell, would Baxter, would Colonesco just see not us, but see what you look like in us and would they see you through that and would they come home running to you? Lord, we love you. Thank you for letting us gather here. Jesus, in your name, we pray these things. Amen.